So if you found it in your Bibles, Hebrew chapter 10. Let's begin about verse 24. And let us consider one another to provoke and to love and to good works. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. That's where we'll stop reading right there. Verse 25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. All right. So, if the Lord will help us for a few minutes, I'd like to preach to you about what a difference assembling together makes and what happens when you don't. And so we can read about a family that was down in Bethlehem, Judah. And it was <clears throat> over in the book of Ruth. It's Abimelech and Naomi. And their two sons, Maon and Chilion. And there came a famine in the land. And they decided they'd leave Bethlehem, Judah. They decided they'd go into the land of Moab and see if they couldn't fire better down there. Now, there's a lot in this that I'll probably never get to. But you pray for us for a few minutes. So they left the children of Israel. They left Bethlehem, Judah. I guess you'd say they left their little church. They walked away from it. And let's take a look at what they left and where they went and what happened to them. They walked away from something they had known all their life. They walked away from a place where their children were born. They walked away from the place where they had memories of good times and good meals and good people. <coughs> and they walked away from that to go to the land of Moab. Now, if you read about Moab, you'll know that the father of Moab was a child that was born out of an incestuous relationship whenever Lot's daughters laid with him after Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed and the child of the result of the incest became the father of Moab. And if you read about Moab and the Moabites, they never were able to get along with the children of Israel. They were always having problems and trouble and strife and things like that. And so these people, this family left the best thing that had ever happened in their life, left all they knew, left folks that loved them, and went, and it went to a place that was always against the children of Israel. Whenever you leave, <coughs> whenever you leave the church of the living God, 
and wrap yourself around folks that are constantly against the house of Israel. What are you talking about, preacher? When you wrap yourself up in sin, and let me tell you something, it happens a lot faster than you think it would. It happens, and it, and it grows a lot faster, and what seems like some little something will have eaten you alive in just a matter of a few days if you're not very careful. And I've seen it myself, was tempted whenever, whenever my children were growing up, and I, I, and I don't want to, uh, you know, fishing is okay as long as you don't put that before the Lord. Hunting is okay as long as you don't put that before the Lord. Whatever your hobby may be, you may like racing or football or whatever, or you ladies may like sewing or baking or whatever it is that you do. As long as you don't put that before the Lord, it's okay. But I, whenever my boys were growing up, the oldest one especially was pretty good at basketball and they wanted him to sign up for travel teams. And we did that, but when I signed him up, I told the coach that day, we'll play on Friday, we'll play on Saturday, but we can't play on Sunday because we go to church. And, and he agreed to that, and uh, that's what we did. But I've seen parents that will take their children miles, hundreds of miles away, spend hundreds and thousands of dollars that go out of state to, to let that child play in a ball tournament of this or that or the other. And you know what happens? Well, preacher, they can go to church some other Sunday. Who knows if the very words that might mean salvation were spoken the very Sunday that they weren't in the house of God. Amen. These folks left the best thing they'd ever known to go down to a country that was godless. Now let's see how they fired. Let's take a look at what happened to Elimelech and Naomi and this family. The Bible said they were there 10 years. I imagine they left when them boys might have been teenagers because we read where the boys got married. They must have been about of marrying age by the time the 10 years were up. We read where... That they got down there and Elimelech passed away. He died. And then the next thing we read, Chilion and Mayon passed away. They, they got married. They married women of that country, the Moabites, and they passed away also. You know what happens whenever you leave the church of the living God? You know what happens whenever you slip out and slip away and you never darken the door? There's a slow, slow death takes place. And you may be here and be happy and be healthy. You may have not been sick, not have caught a cold or anything like that in years. But whenever you ease out and ease away and you're not faithful to the church, there's a slow, slow death takes place. That's Listen, we all know science tells us that we have to eat. Is that not correct? If we don't eat, we will waste away. 
Our bodies will wither. The muscles will lose their tone. We'll develop atrophy. And the next thing you know, we're helpless. And if we're not careful and we don't take in any food, any water, anything to sustain life, this body will pass away. It'll die. The spiritual man needs food. Did you know that? And I know I've been off by myself, been on the lawnmower out there singing the songs of, of the church and just me and the Lord and Him pass by and me and Him had a little church out there. I've been going down the road listening to old gospel songs and, and me and the Lord just there in the car and have a little church right there. But I can feel so much more when I see my brother rejoicing in the Lord. I can get so much more out of it. I can get some on my own. But when I see you and tears rolling down your face and shouts of glory in the house of God and us rejoicing together. I'm like David. My cup runs over. You can't get that in Moab. It's just not there. Well, I like the music. Well, I like this. I like that. I like this program. I like that. I want it's my day. I want to do what I want. We worship the creature more than the creator. All right. You know this story. They died. And Naomi was left with her two daughter-in-laws, with Ruth and with Orpha. Now Jewish history says that these two women were sisters. I'm sure they had some commonalities. I'm sure they had some things that they shared and things of that nature. And Naomi was broken hearted. And she said, just go back to your families. There's no way I can help sustain us. I couldn't have another son and you wouldn't wait that long. And it's just impossible. Go back to your families where you came from. And, and I'm going to go back because I remember what it was like down in Bethlehem, Judah. I've been out here for 10 years. I've not had the, 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 the food that I had down at Bethlehem, Judah. I've not felt the love in Moab that I felt down at Bethlehem, Judah. I've not felt the fellowship. I've not seen the praise that I felt down at Bethlehem, Judah. I have a logging down deep inside. Let me tell you this. I, you heard this old saying, you can take the, the, the country out, out, you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. I'm here to tell you today, if you've ever felt the presence of God, you've ever had it stirring on the inside, there's nothing like it, and there's no better place to get it than to be around the altar down in Bethlehem, Judah. All right. Just go back to your families. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law. And she went back. Now I read some on Orpha. Jewish history says she gave birth to some giants in that land of Moab. You know who one of her children is according to Jewish history? 
One that stood against a man of God's own heart. Orpha's son, according to the Jewish history, was Goliath. Now you take a picture. Now I know Orpha and Ruth had never been to Bethlehem, Judah. Neither one of them had ever been. But you'd stop and think if Naomi had held close to what she believed and she'd had a, a, a desire deep down in her heart the way that she should have, she wouldn't have sent Orpha or she wouldn't have sent Ruth back where they came from because she knew what a living God was. She had experienced it personally and she'd have sought the salvation of those two daughter-in-laws. One of them went back and one of them went with Naomi. That's the folks that failed to assemble. They left the assembly of the house of God. They left the assembly of God's people. It must not have been a good time. I've been in church all my life. And I know there are some people right here in this church tonight that's been a member of Dutch Bottoms since before I was born. Folks, you've seen her when you're shouting glory and the altar full of sinners and the Lord blessing all over the house. Then you've seen her when she's down in the valley, but she stayed. But she stayed. Let me tell you about some people that stayed. When they got back down there to Bethlehem, Judah, they said, is that Naomi? She said, don't call me Naomi anymore. Just call me Mara, for the Lord hath dealt. Now listen, I hear people talk about Ruth and preach on Ruth. Let's preach on Naomi for a little while. She left the church walked away from it into a world of sin and this is her testimony. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara for the Lord hath dealt bitterly with me. That's what happens when you walk away from God's people. Just expect heartache because it's on its way. So Naomi sent Ruth out, just two ladies, one young, one old. They needed something to eat. She said, I want you to go down to the fields, and I want you to glean something for us to eat. Are you familiar what gleaning is? Some of you know what a garden is. Our younger generation don't remember that, I my dad had one whenever I was a kid. When the corn got ripe, and I helped my uncle and his brother used to own the farm down here in Rankin. They grew acres and acres and acres of corn as far as you could see. And when it got ripe, they had a, a tractor 
and they had a wagon, and there was about 10 of us would go through the cornfields, and if the ear was ripe, we would break it off and throw it in the wagon until we filled that wagon up. But the ears that were small, the ears that didn't work full of grains, the ears that didn't look ready to be picked, we left them alone. That's what was sustaining these two ladies, Naomi and Ruth. That's what Ruth was doing. She was taking off the stuff that the, that the men that worked the fields had left behind. Stuff that wasn't necessarily of the greatest value. It was just left laid. If, it, if, if, if Ruth had to come through, it might have laid there and rotted. It might have laid there and the birds eat it or whatever. But she was taking that. And whenever the man that owned the fields came through, his name was Boaz, and, and he spoke to the reapers, the first words out of his mouth, this was a man that listened. I will tell you who Boaz was. I will tell you what he did. The first words that came out of Boaz's mouth was the Lord be with thee. Where do you think he came from? The Bible says he had just come down from Bethlehem. Oh, let me tell you who else he was. Whenever Ruth got home that night and she told Naomi where she had been, whose field she had been picking out of, Naomi said, well, I remember that name. He's one of our dear kinsmen. He must have been one that Naomi remembered from a long time ago. You know why Naomi remembered him? Because he had stayed with Bethlehem Judah. Because he had stayed. He had loved her when she was up. He had loved her when she was down. And, she, and he stayed with her. And God had blessed him for it. Let's get this. You know why Naomi went back? Because she heard there was bread in Bethlehem, Judah. Now, I'm just guessing. I've not been here that long. I'm sure some of these folks that have been here for several years could tell you. We probably, no doubt, and we're no different from any other church, we probably, no doubt, have members that have not been here in 30 years. You think? We probably have members that have not been here in 20 years. Probably have members that have not been here in 10 years. As a matter of fact, we've got members I know that have not been here, that got saved, got baptized since I've been here. And it's been ages since they darkened the door. Oh, but let me tell you something. I would love for every one of those folks to hear that there's bread down in Bethlehem, Judah. I would love for every one of those folks to hear that there's good things going on down in Dutch Bottoms, that we've got something worth it, consuming, that we've got something, a spirit that's speaking to our people, a bread that fills you up spiritually, so when you come in hungry, you can leave satisfied. You let me and Wayne get in a fist fight, it'll be on the front page of the Newport Plain Talk. The 
that you let us have a spiritual service and see 15 saved, that'll never make the paper. So we need to get the news out that there's something good down at Bethlehem, Judah. <coughs> something good down at Dutch Bottoms. Something worth going for. You know why people wander away? You know why people wander through? You know why people never darken the door? Because they think there is nothing down there worth their time. They think there is nothing down there worth considering. They think there is nothing down there that can help them. And in some situations, in some churches, they're exactly right. I pray to God and hope this is never one of them. I pray there's always bread down in Dutch bottles. All right. Boaz is a near kinsman. And when Boaz saw Ruth, he said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. Failing not of the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I tell you, Ruth, what I'd like for you to do. I want you to drink of that water that our reapers get. Don't you worry about going to get you a drink. You just drink of what water these reapers has gathered up here. Tell you what else I want you to do, Ruth. I want you to not go to anybody else, any other field. Just come on down here. You're always welcome here. There'll always be something for you. Right here, Ruth, and down here at Bethlehem, Judah, in my field where I'm at. Oh, Boaz, just come down to my field. And you know what else he did? Oh, we want to shake hands and say welcome to Dutch Bottoms and let that be that. I'll tell you what else Boaz did. He got, he got them fellas and he said, I want you, as you, as you go through the fields, don't take it all. Don't be greedy. Uh, this little lad is needy. This little lady is hungry. This lady's doing something noble, trying to provide for a mother-in-law that's been widowed and children has all died. I tell you what I'd like for you to do. You just leave a little handful on purpose just for her because she needs it. Oh, if we would be so compassionate, if we'd be so considerate, we'd have to build a new church building. They left handfuls on purpose. <coughs> We get so consumed with me, we can't see one another. We're here to bless one another. Esteem your brother higher than yourself. All right. Trying to hurry along. Sound like Boaz had been around. Sounded like Boaz knew what to do. He'd been in church for a while, hadn't he? He'd been living down there for a while. So Naomi told Ruth, I want you to go down there. And after they've had the meal, he lays down there in the meal. 
I want you to go down there and listen carefully to what the young lady was told to do. And she did exactly what Naomi told her to do. She said, I want you to get right down at his feet. And I want you to stay right down at his feet. Oh, do you think humility is something that Boaz would recognize? Do you think being humble is something that most people would respect? We think we ought to be first. We think we ought to be recognized. We think we ought to receive honor. We're nothing but sinners saved by grace. And we need to be humble so that our Lord can leave a handful for me and you every once in a while. You Bible readers know the story. He said, when he talked to Ruth, he said, there's a kinsman more nearer than me. Let me go talk to him and see if he'll redeem. In other words, what property you had, what you had, that's your ticket to being able to sustain yourself. I've seen it this way. Isaac, if I get out, get away from church, living an ungodly life, something brand new is ain't going to help me. I'll have to get right back with what I started. I'll have to get right back down there to the little half bed about a mile and a half down the road where I said, Jesus, please save me. I'll have to get back to where I'm that humble. I'll have to get back to where I'll say, God, I'll do anything. I've done that, Grady, and I've had to eat them words. Amen. Oh, maybe I've told this. I'll try to hurry. My dad was 42 when he had his first heart attack. I'd worked all night at Food City. I was in school. We had taken him to the emergency room. They gave him a new drug at that time. It's called streptokinate. It was supposed to stop a heart attack. And they rolled him through the doors there. And they said, say goodbye to him. And I was tired. And I was upset. There was a big wooden crate about three by three. I crawled up on that box and brought my knees to my chest. I began to pray, and I said, Lord, I'll do anything if you'll give me a few more years. He was 42 then. He's 76 now. I'd say the Lord kept his part. <laughs> what about Mike? Did he keep his part? A few years later, and I fought it. I fought it for a long time. I'd get up right where I needed to be and God would be blessing me. Then I'd begin to stir inside. I'd back off. He'd tell me, he'd say, boy, you know what you need to do. It got to where it was bothering me really, really heavy. And I called Kenny Porterfield, if some of you know Kenny. He owns a body shop over in Morristown. He's a preacher. I called him. He said, hello. I said, hi. He said, the Lord's called you to preach, ain't he? I didn't say a word. He already knew. 
You know where I had to get to? The Lord reminded me of them words I said on that three by three wood box. He reminded me that I said I would do anything. And I used all the excuses, Wayne. I said, why, I'm not a good speaker. I used that old Moses excuse. I'm not eloquent of speech. Lord, I'm not smart. I can't do that. He said, yes, you can. So I finally just had to come out with it. Now, I've not been the best preacher I could be. I have followed short. There's been times that I got up and thought I had it. It fell flat on my face. But I've tried to preach what the Lord gives me. Because what I think can't help you. And this is what the man that preached the charge at my ordination said. He read this scripture and charged me to do this. Preach the word. So if it's in the lands of the King James Version Bible, I have license to preach that. But if it's my opinion, if it's what I think, if it's what someone else thinks, if it's not in the lens of this book, I have no business bringing it up in the pulpit. I don't know where that came from, but there you go. All right. Boaz talked to the near kinsman, asked him if he would redeem Naomi and Ruth. And he said, I can't. So Boaz redeemed. He paid. He paid the price for what they needed. When I was unredeemable, there was a man paid the price for what I needed. When I was cast down and away from God's children, there was somebody that paid the price so that I could be redeemed. Who was that preacher? That man was Jesus. And I owe him. Now what happened to Boaz? And what happened to Ruth? Boaz took Ruth to be his wife, didn't he? What happened to us when we were redeemed? He took us to be the bride of Christ. He's married. Did you know that? He is. He's married to us. His bride, the church of the living God. We're not, we're not uh, invalids. We're not born out of wedlock. We've got a mother. We've got a father. And we're part of a great big. Boaz married Ruth and took Naomi in and cared for her. They conceived a child. I told you what happened to Orpha and how her child turned out. He was Goliath. One that stood against a man that was after God's own heart. You know who that man was? That was David. You know who David's father was? David's father was 
Jesse. You know who Jesse's father was, who David's grandfather was? His grandfather, Jesse's father, was Obed. You know who was the father of Obed and the mother of Obed? None other than Boaz and Ruth. That child raised in Bethlehem, Judah. That child raised in the, under the shadow of the church. Raised where people loved one another. Raised where people lived according to God's principles and God's ways. That child was the grandfather of David who was a mighty man of God. You tell me if church makes a difference. One man was a man after God's own heart. And one man was Satan's champion. And if Jewish history is correct, these boys were first cousins. If Jewish history is correct, these boys were born to sisters. One in church, one out of church. Failing not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Let me tell you something and I'm going to hush. I have a real weakness. I, I grieve for our teenagers. I do. These children, they do what mom says for the most part, I'm sure. They don't have yet to my knowledge, the peer pressure that wants to pull and draw and tug them away from mom and dad, from the church. Teenagers got it rough. There's always something trying to pull you away. And I'm going to say this, and when I say it, there's probably some folks up at Newport won't like what I'm about to say. We're just as bad. I used to work for Cock County Schools. Good people. Lots of Christian people. But every time they would have an open house, every time they would have a parent night, it was on a Wednesday night. Shame, shame, shame. Laney, Gracie, this young man right here need to be in church on Wednesday night just like they do Sunday. I need to be on church on Wednesday night. Just like I do Sunday morning. I can't be as good a man as I could be if I'm not down at Bethlehem, Judah. Forsaking not. I preached a revival with an abscessed tooth one time. I've been behind the stand with an upset stomach with a fever I'm not saying that to brag this is where I'm supposed to be yeah. Yeah, I don't believe in bringing the flu in or bringing something that you're going to make somebody else sick with but if I'm not sick this is where I'm supposed to be if you're not sick this is where you're supposed to be. Saw this little statement. Your church attendance encourages your pastor. 
it sure does. And when you're not here, it discourages you, Pastor. Because I wonder what's going on. I wonder, and if it didn't affect me, Wayne, I shouldn't be a pastor. I'm supposed to love the sheep. When you're not here, I wondered if you're sick. And Satan says, well, somebody said something. He uses, he uses this just as much as Satan uses yours. Folks, being at church is important. Who knows? Tonight might be the night we see somebody saved that you've been praying for. Sunday might be the service that we see somebody saved that you've been praying for. What if it happens and that's the day you walk down to Moab? What if it happens and that's the day you say, I'm just too tired. I don't think I'll go. What if it's the day? Now, preacher, if I'm not at church, I'm not drunk. Preacher, if I'm not at church, I'm not running after women or men. Preacher, if I'm at church, if I'm not at church, I'm not doing drugs. I know that. But for he that knoweth to doeth good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Don't get mad at me. You be upset with me. I know things happen. And I know we're human. And I feel like I'm preaching to the choir tonight. Because these are the folks I can count on. But I'm telling you, I mentioned earlier, folks that's been in here probably, members longer than I've been alive. I'm sure Marty and Juanita's been members here for maybe 30 years longer. Robert and Shelby back there has been members here for 30 years or longer. Satan would like to drag them right on out tonight and let this be their life service. He sure would. He's no respected person. <coughs> I'm telling you, let me close with this. John 14, 1. Notice the first word. Let. Can you get past that? Let not your heart be troubled. But notice the first word, those three letters, L-E-T. Satan can't do any more than we let him do. He can't do any more than we let him do. The reason he rages, the reason that he cuts us down, the reason that he bruises our head or bruises our heel is because we let him. The three Hebrew children were in the burning fiery furnace and they came out unsinged, didn't even smell like smoke. If they had let themselves, that flame would have scared them to death. Mm -hmm. Daniel in the lion's den. 
The Bible doesn't say this, but I've heard preachers preach this, that he took one of them manes, just laid his head down on it and slept all night long. If he'd have listened to the roar, if he'd have let himself, the sounds of those lines would have scared him to death and he'd been defeated. what Satan says, no matter what he does, no matter what he's got in store for you tomorrow. This. This is where we need to be. Let me relay this. There was a little girl went down to Brown's Chapel where my family goes. Every time I'd go down there, her spot, they have a pew over on the table. They'd have a back on it like, like these do, but they had a pew. And her spot was on the right end of the pew that was used for the altar. And every time they'd call for altar prayer, she'd get just as close to that bench as she could get. And I thought, Lord, you're really going to use that child. She's at now. She never darkens the door. Satan pulled her right off the altar, right out of the church. He don't care if it's your child, if it's you. <coughs> he just don't want you here. He'd much rather have you down in there. Failing not. Sometimes we get so busy. I, I've been there. There have been times I've left work and come to church. I've had supervisors say, you work for the school system. Yeah, I do. But I've had people get angry at me because I couldn't do something work-related on Sunday. I'll be glad to do whatever needs to be done about 1 or 1.30. And as long as I'm done by 5 or 5.30, I'm good. But before 1, I belong here. After 5.30, I belong here. <coughs> Folks, it's important, not just for me, but for you. You can get the strength you need to face the day tomorrow. If you assemble together. Because I don't know that Grady may be just as low as he can be. And me telling him that I love him and he's been a blessing to me is just the words he needs to keep on going. Did you hear the scripture I read to you? Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together but exhorting one another. We were awful bad there for a while. Everybody, every young man that had a spiritual testimony, people would start telling him he was called to preach. Not every one of them was. Sometimes the church just needs somebody to tell them they love them. Sometimes the church just needs somebody to say, hey, you sung that song and that was a blessing to me. 
and I appreciate you for it. Or, hey, I appreciate the experience you gave about being saved. It was a blessing and a help to me. We need to encourage one another because Moab is not going to do it. Exhorting one another. Well, I told Marty Costner I loved him a couple of months ago. And so much the more. So, Marty, I still love you today. You've been a blessing to me and a blessing to Dutch Bottoms. Amen. And you just keep on working for the Lord because we need you. Oh, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. It's getting more evil every day. What are we going to do? We better assemble. You ever seen an army that was scattered out and you know what happens to them? They get defeated. We better assemble together if we're going to win. All right. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the man or son is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. That's the message.